You're listening to the Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and making media the podcast professionals. The Coaching Life is a story of the coaching journeys here in Australia, the men and women that we entrust with developing our players and our teams. And in the main, these stories haven't been told. Today, we're honoured to have, um, I'm going to say brand new, that's not quite, reappointed um, Newcastle Jets W League coach Ash Wilson. Welcome along, Ash. Great to have you here. Thanks, Gary. Thanks. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. Nice. We'll, we'll talk about that. Let me give you a bit more uh, of an intro. Um, I, in doing the background to this, I realised that you're a Lismore lass. You, you come from Lismore, and which is where you played your junior footy. I did. Yeah. Good yeah. research. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and. Let me just finish the intro and and we'll jump in. So Ash is the first first female head coach of Newcastle Jets and and is in good company now along with um, Vicky Linton at Canberra and Kath Canooley at West Sydney Wanderers. So in small numbers as head coaches. So that's a fantastic appointment. Um, Also a teacher by trade um, at um, Hunter Sports High as well. And, and had a coaching journey that began uh, in Macquarie Academy when you were just probably around about the same time you started teaching, I think. Does that seem like yeah, a reasonable well. summary? <laughs> well, you've done well, yeah. Yeah, very well. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, I'm getting a bit more experience. Ralph, Ralph has been a very good mentor about where to go for looking for these things. So welcome along, Long Ash. It's uh, great to have you here. Um, first of all, let, let, let's kick off. How's how's life being a head coach in crazy COVID lockdown and pre-season and all of those things with you right now? Oh, look, I, I guess at the moment, you know, we know we've got um, a couple more weeks to get prepared than the boys. Um, you know, we're reaching out to some of the girls that we've signed, obviously, to make sure that they feel supported at the moment, you know, giving them some things in terms of programming and um, all those little things. But, yeah, look, it's it's definitely a new world and it's, um, you know, it's my second season and, and it just seems like both seasons have had some kind of COVID impact. So, um, actually, if, if I, you know, if I get the gig again in the future and we don't have this issue, it, that could be difficult for me because uh, this seems to be the, the new norm at the moment, just, you know, making sure that people feel supported and, and figuring out. I think you just, you're just just basically looking at, well, this is the what-ifs and we're just going to be prepared for all possible situations. Yeah. The, the, um, do, you, do you think there's been any upside? I mean, it's been horrific, and, and don't get me wrong, there's no upside to horrific um, um, virus and, and disease like COVID is, but um, I, in chatting with Ange on this podcast one of the things that, that that he thought was a positive was that he'd learned how to use zoom um so <laughs> any upsides in this and the, and the way that you've had to coach and, the, and those sorts of things well look i think um it, it definitely has made you rethink things that you do and how you present to, to to players like even i suppose uh you know this year in the academy coming out of lockdown or just into uh, the academy last year as we came out of lockdown um you know we weren't allowed in the change rooms more than seven people so you, you started to change the way you um, were providing information to the players so that they had everything that they needed could get prepared get on the field um and yeah look i mean knowing how to use Zoom and, and the full capacity of Zoom to connect with uh, with your players and in, in different ways has also been um, has been a, a positive, I, I guess. It's giving you more tools. 
Um, I've liked, I mean, I work at a sports high as well and I guess and within the academy. So I've just liked that we've actually been able to encourage kids to get out and do things individually and work on things that, you know, they're passionate about or skills that they want to develop. And we're seeing a little bit more of that intrinsic drive from them to to go out and do things beyond what they might be able to get just in a team training environment, even though it's it's tough knowing that they're missing so much contact time with you and you want to be there to be able to support them. So, yeah, those, those I guess, have been some elements that I've thought have been not too bad in given the current circumstances. Yeah, thanks for that. Do you think one of the criticisms of this current generation of young players is they there's you know they're happy on a couch with a mobile device in their hands and perhaps not quite as motivated to get in the backyard or out in the street or down the park and kick the ball around with their mates or juggle the ball do, do you think that's obviously a generalization but but do you think there's um this has created more opportunities for for young players to do that for to be couch potatoes is that what you're saying oh 100 no, no, to, to actually go go out and work on oh, those individual skills that yeah, perhaps they haven't. For sure. And, look, you know, I, I come from a context where I work, uh, obviously, at a sports high, so we've got a lot of students that are at um, our high school to be because they want to be footballers. I also work within an academy system where it's, a, you know, it's our it's our feeder academy to our, um, our A-League and W-League teams. So we've got a lot of motivated um, kids there so we're lucky in that sense and we've been really trying to drive home that for them because I agree with you I think that um, we, we do have a generation of, of players that potentially haven't had that drive and motivation to go out and do things um, you know on their own as much as perhaps past generations have um, you know, but sometimes like you look at the, the opportunities they have for team training, you know, some of our academy teams are training four or five, seven, eight times a week, depending on, you know, if they're at a sports high or if they're getting some ex of those extra specialized programs. Um, whereas, you know, back in, back in my day, I know that I had to do a lot of extra stuff to, to become the player I was. And I watched a lot of football um, just growing up. I just used to like watching it. And I think that's probably one of the criticisms I have of young kids at the moment these days is that they like playing football, they love being good at football, but maybe they don't watch as much of it as they pop possibly could. Yeah, no, I like that. Actually, this, this is this is about your coaching journey, not your playing journey, but but take us back to the beginnings of you falling in love with the game of football. So Lismore, a, a famous football area. I know uh, Craig and Paul Foster are, are also from Lis Lismore. Um, what what was junior football like for you? And and were there any coaches that that made a difference in your life when you were kicking off your football journey? Yeah. Look, I um, my first ever. Uh, first ever team, I was five, um, and my dad had a ball at my feet uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, and he was a Lismore boy, and we were we were in Sydney, uh, but we moved back to Lismore when I was five, and he basically hooked up with his best mate and said, let's get our kids into a team. So from the age of five, I started playing uh, under six as boys, stayed in there for a couple of years, and then progressed through the age groups with the, with the boys team. Um, yeah, my first ever coach was was a guy named Howard Stubbs, who um, yeah, he's working worked at Northern Inland. Um, yeah, he was he was such a great guy. But my dad actually was um, from about the age of under the 12s, I think. Uh, the boys team at up at our club, 
um, Ganelaba Hornets, which was the same team that Foz went through. Um, he he took my team from under 12s to 16s. Um, so he had a, he had a big impact on my life. Um, and within that time, I also had other really great coaches like Mark Ambler, Bruce Tracy, um, Mark Jones as well, um, who helped me as I, I progressed. Um, definitely was one of those those kids that peaked early, like made a made a state a nineteen state team at the age of thirteen, and uh, went through the the junior national ranks for a bit. Made my first national league debut at fifteen, um, and then yeah, just a few injuries, and, and sort of by the time I got a little bit older, it it just sort of was not. The I guess playing at that level wasn't something I was able to do anymore. But yeah, those, those coaches definitely had a had a big impact on me. I was really lucky too. I moved to Newcastle to play away from home when I was 18. So I was playing for Northern New South Wales in the state league and the national league. I uh, had Mark Jones as a coach, but also our uh, reserve grade coach was a, a lady of the name uh, Renee Isareth, who was you know an ex Matilda. Um, so she she's just been a mentor to me as well, and just seeing those coaches work all very different um uh yeah and then you know that 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 was i guess they were some of the coaches that had a big impact on me as a as a player and then obviously getting into coaching there were some other coaches that had impacts on me as well yeah well well thanks for that we'll we'll get to those you um you're now in newcastle you're obviously decide to be a a school teacher and you come through that and was it around about the same time that you started teaching that you ended up um, coaching in the Macquarie Academy? Yeah, I, I, it was very close. I did my um, I did my internship, so my last year of teaching in two thousand and six, and I think I was in the academy around that two thousand and six, two thousand and seven mark. So I was I was a player. I was playing in the um, in the Newcastle WPL, playing first grade. Uh, and obviously, being a being a teacher, I think a lot of teachers, particularly PE teachers, have that natural affinity for for coaching. It's just it's something within our system. We just you know we want to help people grow. Uh, I love the sport, um, so I've always had a passion for football and wanting to give back. And like I said, my my dad was a. It's almost the family business. I, I say it all the time. He he was a PE teacher, um, and he and he he just loved football and he loved coaching. And so it was. You know, when I look back on my life now, it's almost like I'm I'm doing some of the things that he's done, and and you know, I, that just lets me know that he he was a big role model for me. Um, and so yeah, being able to give back to the game at a at a at a young level um, was important for me. Yeah, L- looking back. Uh, looking back, you, you're very young in coach years. If we cut you in half, the coach years are not too many circles there. Um, so, so still, still an awful long way to go. But looking back, Ash, how important was that first opportunity at Macquarie, Macquarie Academy to start to get a feel for what coaching really was? Yeah, it was. It was massive. Um, you know, there was a lot of supportive people uh, working within that club, and they were wanting to make the academy the best it could be and I was just getting a lot of feedback a lot of um a lot of support uh and just working with some really great kids um and seeing them progress so I think you know working within that environment you you sort of see what's possible and you and you see the impact that you're having on young players and I think you know for me it definitely filled me with um 
a sense of worth and a sense of purpose. And I just really enjoyed, you know, being able to be part of their development. And so I guess that just continued to add fuel to the passion. Um, and then that passion makes you want to go and learn more. And uh, it makes you want to connect with other people that are working at higher levels. And yeah, look, from 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 that um, time, uh, I was, you know, I was building my skills as a coach, I was still playing. Um, and I came out of the academy, still being a player. Um, and I think that program I can't remember whether it sort of it fell away a little bit, so there wasn't an opportunity to coach within there. So a lot of the young players I coached within the academy, I took them with me to the club I was playing at um, and sort of put them in my under-18 reserve grade team. And I said to my coach, look, I'll coach them and I'll play first grade. So I was able to work with them for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, look, it, it, it was something that I loved doing. And it got to the point where... I was playing first grade and our coach who was Shelly Yeoman, she's an ex-Matilda as well, great, great lady, but she decided she wasn't going to coach us anymore. And in the end, I was, I was like, you know, I've had some, I've had some interesting coaches in the past and, you know, this, this female coach was amazing, someone so committed to us that I couldn't see what was, what was better out there. and I just um and and that we'll be able to really push for things so that was that was something that was a catalyst I think for what happened then because that was a little bit more of the senior stuff um but even within that I think uh people at northern New South Wales and I thank them for the opportunity they, they put me through my sea license a female only sea license in 2009 where I met some incredible people um and obviously that was the start of my um advanced coaching pathway and all from that first experience. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? And do you think starting that way in, in the academies, coaching the young players, do you think that gives you a, a greater focus and understanding that it, it's really, really important that we can teach young players skills? Oh, 100%. You, look, you you want them to be able to do certain things. It's about trying to add to their to their toolkit, right? And you know, I've I've seen the whole spectrum now, so I've seen, you know, what it what it's like at that younger age working with those young young females that just really passionate about football and um, you know, you want to give them as many things as you can to help them grow and develop and develop just that love for the game, knowing that again the passion that they have is going to drive them to want to be better. And then, you know, like I said, I've I've got to the the other end of the spectrum at W League where you want you want players to have certain characteristics, technical, tactical, physical, psychological, and you know, that's why that youth pathway is so important because you can start to build those skills and you can start to ingrain those things early so that when they do get to when they do get to the the pointier ends you know they those those things those technical things are almost second nature and you're just you're working on other things that you know are not going to be um detracting from the performance Ash, join the dots for us quickly between those those beginnings and and now you're you obviously work with Craig as his assistant in the W League uh, for five years Be before you got to the academy. I, I heard you say that um, I, I think in in starting there and, and ended up in that Jets Academy, you you sort of a bit of a light bulb moment because you understood there was a pathway and that you were on yeah. it. So, yeah, so just it... sorry, go on. Yeah. 
No, what, what were you going to say? Sorry. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, just join join the dots. So the the, the Macquarie Academy, uh, you mentioned Clubland there. How, how did the opportunity at, at Newcastle Jets, what, what were some of the experiences you were going through to get that opportunity uh, with the Jets? Yeah, so... I was playing for Adamstown Rosebuds in the in the WPL, um, and I played there for three seasons. And the first season I was playing there, I was coaching the reserve grade team, which were a lot of my um, under fifteen, under sixteen Macquarie Academy kids that I, I brought with me. Um, so coaching reserve grade, playing first grade. The next year, like I said, Shelley, our coach, decided she didn't want to take the position up again. So. I put my hand up to be a player coach uh, for first grade and reserve grade that next year. Uh, so I think that was 2013. Um, and I think we won the grand final that year in first grade and our reserve grade team made the final. Uh, the next year, 2014, both teams won the minor premiership. Our team lost the final. The, the younger girls uh, won their grand final. So it was a really great year for the club. Uh, at that time, the, the Newcastle Jets Academy were actually in our comp. Um, they were playing against us and, and Gary Van Egmond was the, the TD at the time. Um, so I guess, look, I, you know, I guess he saw something in me as, as, as a coach um, and he, you know, he asked me if I wanted to come over to the academy uh, in 2015. So um, actually it's a little bit... It was a bit tough. I knew we, we played the Jets Academy in the 2014 final and I knew I was going, but I hadn't told anyone and we <laughs> lost. It was, um, it, was, it was a tough night. Um, but, yeah, look, you know, I'm so grateful for, to Gary for giving me that opportunity because you're right, I saw, I saw the pathway from there. So in, in 2015 I came into the academy. I was coaching one of the younger teams. I think it was uh, under-15 team. We were playing in the Sydney comp. They were playing age up. Um, so I was getting to work with a lot of young players again. Uh, and at that point, Craig Deans got the head head coach gig uh, and he just said, do you want to be my assistant? And that's that's kind of where that took off. And I've still been in the academy. I've still been working in the academy. I've coached under 15s, under 17s. For a lot of the last couple of years, I've been coaching the, the first grade team, which is under 20. And then obviously I had five years of assistant coaching under Craig, um, and then sort of two and a half years as as first grade coach, first being that interim. So, yeah, look again, massively grateful to to Gary for for seeing something in me, and um, you know we got a lot of support under his leadership as as a technical director, and then again Craig Dean's uh, a lot of influence um, and support for me over the years, um, and helping me to develop, and just helping me to get. Yeah, there's so many tools that you need as a coach. It's not just stepping on the field, particularly at the higher levels. There's, you know, the the people management, the player management, there's the organisation and admin stuff, um, all those things that you don't expect and you don't see when you first get into it, particularly coaching at, at those younger age groups. And and I think between, you know, all those mentors, I've definitely been given um, some, some tools to drip feed those skills because I'm a massive believer I think in building my craft I'm the first one to say I don't don't know everything but I'm I'm someone that thinks or that believes in lifelong learning um yeah. and so having, having access to people like that that have supported me and giving me guidance has been very helpful uh, I love that Ash talk to me a little bit I, I've heard you talk about juggling you, you're juggling now you you're the, the head W League coach you're the academy um, head coach 
academy of coach. You're a full-time teacher. Um, you must have great bosses in all of those places to help you make that work. Um, and you talk, I've heard you talk also about that's the same for the, the W League players. They're not full-time professionals. They earn a little bit for a short period of time. They've yep. got... Um, some of them will have full-time jobs. Some of them will have part-time jobs. What, what's the life like for a female player, female coach in that juggling, keep, keeping the plates on the on the poles as the poles are spinning without crashing and burning the plates? Yeah, look, I guess everyone's, everyone's different. Everyone's got their own challenges. Everyone's got their own strategies to make things work. Um, I've definitely found in, in, in my case support has been a massive thing. So, yeah, I have the support of the academy, obviously, to do what I need to do from a W League perspective and from a school perspective. Um, I'm the head teacher at my at my high school, and my so I work very closely with the executives and my my principal. And um, I think being within a sports high and seeing that value of having someone within the sports high as a teacher linked to an elite academy and an elite elite W League team and an elite A League club. Um, is is quite beneficial. So she's been really supportive. But, it, you know, you, you have to be able to manage your time. And the girls are the same. Um, you know, they, they have to manage their time. They have to have uh, good relationships with their work. Um, and, you know, every girl I've worked with uh, at Newcastle's, the, you know, hats off to their, their places of employment. Um, because they see the the goals that the girls set for themselves and what they want to do, and um, you know, there's always that support from work. But it, you know, it's a necessity for them because there's, you know, there needs to be an an income that's going to support their lifestyle. And you know, while it's getting better in football, and it definitely is. Um, I often joke, you know, I I just love getting the tracksuit and a flight and a four star hotel. That was what we got. Um, <laughs> But every, everything's relative, right? So, you know, obviously mm. the players today, like this is their norm um, and we want to keep seeing it, it getting better. And But at the moment, you know, they, they still have those challenges. So hats off to the, the places of employment. The girls, we have to juggle, yeah, our club in particular, we have to juggle our schedule and when we train to make sure that everyone's got the maximal ability to train and, and to be able to satisfy what they need to do outside of football. Um, yeah. So it's really it's really about managing those players managing that workload and and again staff have to do it for themselves as well but we do it because we love it you know like I I would love more hours in the day but I don't have it and at the end of the I don't care because I get to I get to be in football how I like I get to you know I get to coach a great team and be part of a, a fantastic club that I've been part of for so long so you know I'm, I know that I'm grateful I also teach in a, in a fantastic high school and work with some amazing people I have an amazing staff that work under me in my in my faculty and I don't think I would be able to do what I do without them because whenever I'm not there or you know COVID last year there was a few we, we went into isolation a couple of times because we we hit some road bumps getting into certain areas and, you know, I've got people in my staff that just pick the ball up and, and you know, just work and and make sure that everyone's supported. So the support networks are massive and the understanding about sometimes the challenges is important. You can't ever use it as an excuse. You just have to find ways to work around it so everyone has, I guess, the maximum ability to do what they need to do. Yeah. So, so how do you find time for 
shopping for shoes and watching movies, which is your, uh, <laughs> I believe, is your downtime, downtime Has, thing. Who's been telling you that? Um, <laughs> well, generally my shoe collection is an online thing. Um, so, you know, online is uh, open all the time, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> And, hey, we got, we got some good news today. Um, Wellington Knicks uh, have now got a new yeah. W League team. So that's uh, the bye goes bye-bye. And uh, yeah. we've now got a, another couple of a couple of games, which is still a long way off uh, perhaps what we need, but, uh, a good again, a good step forward. Yeah, look, I think, uh, yeah, there's been little steps in other areas. This is definitely the, the next big one that people keep pushing for, that home and away season, that more games, making it longer. Because at the end of the day, we just we want our players to play games. Um, uh, and so, yeah, this is this is a great next step. And, and obviously the announcement of, uh, you know, Central Coast and um, Western United next year, maybe, you know, whether it's next year, the year after, it. We, it's small steps, but, you know, again, it's it's a positive step. And more games, I'm all for more games. Yeah. Okay, let's, let, let's get right into coaching. I've, I've asked almost everyone this question. I was back in the day before lockdown, I used to drive across to Footscray, the other side of Melbourne from where I am today, to go to Ralph's studio and, and I would listen to a podcast, not about football, normally about business, on the way. And I, and I heard... Uh, I heard the, the host of the podcast talking to someone else and talking about the difference between aspiration and capability. And it really dawned on me that um, with, within football, all coaches have to have their own philosophy and, and we can get a little bit snobbery because we all want to play like, you know, Manchester City or Chelsea or, or whatever, your, whatever your team is, the biggest teams, the best clubs in the world. Um, and then you're coaching the team that you've got with the athletes that you've got. Talk to me a little bit about that. Where, where do you sit on that spectrum between having these aspiration and, and capability? Look, I think, um, yeah, look, I think at times you have to be realistic, but you you need to have aspirations. You need to have goals and things that you want to achieve. There's no there's no point in going, oh, oh no, maybe. I think you have to you have to have a starting point. And if that's what you want to do, then everything that you do needs to be needs to be something that is going to try and achieve that, right? So you you also have to understand the the player's capability. So at times too you have to have aspirations and you have to then also be able to understand that within your playing group there might be things that are more suited to other people or there might be things that you can and can't do but your job is to try to as much as you can maximize players potential so they can execute what you want um but you also like i said you have to understand that where you where the limitations may lie or where and it, limitations is i feel like that's a really negative word but where you might need to adjust certain things to be able to um, make sure that everyone can achieve and we can push towards those goals, um, then, you know, that that's a big thing for me. So you have to set your aspirations within the limits, but you have to have aspirations. Yeah. No, I could, couldn't agree more. So, Ash, how, is your, how has your coaching changed over your coaching journey? Has your coaching changed over your coaching journey? Yeah, it it has. It has. Like I, I still think that I have, you know, the same 
values that I look for. There's this certain, you know, things around mentality, uh, certain physical aspects, tactical aspects that I just want my players to be able to have to execute a brand of football that I want to be able to play. Um, but I think the way your your coaching changes as you as you move through certain coaching levels, as you get more experiences, I guess the way you communicate things, the way you organise things, you know, I, my setting up and my session design now is a lot probably a little bit more fluid than and fluent than what it used to be. You know, you, you find ways to maximise your time and be more efficient and be more effective. Um, you find ways to be able to communicate ideas better. Um, and all that's through practice and all that's through the communications you have with other coaches and the experiences that you have. Um, I definitely haven't changed in what, like, I think is nice football to watch right and what I'd like and what I like to see on the park that that hasn't changed but um the way I try to maybe get players to to you know achieve some of those feats the way I give information to players um that's changed and I'm constantly I'm constantly seeing things that make me go oh I really like how they did that and then then you, you you're just adding more to your bucket and you're trying to find out oh will that work in my environment how can I adjust that to my environment, environment. So you know, I'm constantly trying to evolve and, and change and do things differently and do things better. Um, I think that's that's definitely something that's changed within me. Good on you, <laughs> Ash. Um, do you, you've had a whole bunch of you've mentioned a whole bunch of people so far that have had an impact on you as a coach and on your coaching journey. Do you or have you had a coaching mentor? Have you got someone that you can pick up the phone to or bounce ideas off and, uh, to help you think through things, get through the other side of problems? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it's no surprise. I worked quite heavily with Craig Deans um, for a number of years. So, you know, he's someone that, you know, I talk to a lot. I, uh, every time I see Gary Van Egmont, you know, we'll, we'll talk football and it's always great having conversations with him because he's, you know, he's got such strong opinions and, and, it, and it's great. It's, you know, he challenges the way you think about things. So that's fantastic. Um, I'm good. I'm good friends with Mel Andrietta and, you know, every time, you know, if I need her help for anything, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to call her or shoot her a bit of a message. You know, I love what she's, I love her pathway and what, what she's done. Um, one of my best mates is is Kat Smith, who you know she's done her pro license. Um, you know we we met on that female only um, football C license back in two thousand and nine, and and she's someone I just you know I you know I can talk to about football all the time. And I, my dad, to be honest, he's he loves he loves his football. He's a bit too proud to go off and do some of his uh, his coaching licenses, but he's very. He's someone that loves to watch football and just appreciate all football and just analyzes the game. So there's generally not a, a phone call that that we have either me calling him or him calling me where football doesn't come up in some respect. So yeah. <laughs> How important do you think it is to to have a mentor on your journey? Yeah. Look, I think it's. I think that you 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 do need to be able to be open and, and having trust in, in people that are going to give you honest feedback. And, um, you know, I think that's really important. And I think, you know, for me, I'm, you know, I want to continue to evolve my, um, my, 
you know range of people that I can go to because I like I said the more the more um information that you can get the more opinions that you can get from other people you know like I said whether you whether you agree with it whether you don't you can always add to what you're thinking and you can add to your toolbox as a coach and and you get that from conversations you get that from professional development um but yeah just having people that you can trust that will give you honest opinions and um you know I think I think that that's really important. Yeah. In in adding to your toolbox, do you have you looked outside of football? Have you looked at from experienced coaches from other sports? I'm um, not quite sure how you'd have time to do that. To be honest with you, but <laughs> uh, look, the, um, I've got there's a there's a gentleman at. at at school with us he's an elite basketball coach and he's an English teacher and he's just amazing in how he looks at coaching so you know there's been times where I've just ducked into a a basketball targeted sports session and just watched him operate and you know we have little um conversations around coaching but um look it's it's I don't have a lot outside football if I'm being really honest but the um it's something that I actually think is important. So I, you know, for me, like I said, you, you're constantly learning and you constantly want to grow. And I definitely think that that's an area of my development that could um, that could add value to what I do is is having further people beyond the football world because there's so many there's so many great things and and great pearls of wisdom you can get just from other coaches or other mentors without outside of our sport that can add value to what what we do with inside our sport. Yeah, thanks for that. You're listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. Today's guest is Ash Wilson, W League head coach, Newcastle Jets. Why do you do it, Ash? Why do you coach? <laughs> I just love it. I uh, I love football. I definitely knew it wasn't going to be something that I was going to be able to do for the rest of my life, but... I always wanted to give back to the game. To be honest, I, I actually don't, and it's this is I, I just don't think I could see a life where football doesn't exist in some respect. So for me, this was this was the best way to give back to the game, the best way to keep football such a a prominent figure in my life. Um, and you know, particularly in the women's game, you don't do it for the money. <laughs> so <laughs> there's got to be there's got to be something else behind it and and that's it I think I think passion and just a, a pure love for the game and again like I said earlier I, I think teachers just have this weird just drive and desire to, to keep influencing people and and having impact on on people's lives so maybe that's that's part of it as well for me good on you I've, I've worked out Ash you have to add the word yet to the end of that sentence you don't do it for money yet yeah, because those the good days are coming. We've got to believe that, don't we? Oh, we do, we do, and um, yeah. Look, I think the the more the more exposure that we have, the more people that are fighting to make you know to make this even more of a. Well, obviously, it is it is an issue that people are fighting for, but I think the more voices and um, you know people are getting in the corner, we're seeing the W League become even more of a prominent feature within our within our game, and 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 clubs are clubs are getting on board and supporting, and it's only going to grow. You, you you can't see it taking a backward step. So yeah, that that's the goal um, to 
you know, maybe to, to make it something that, that can be um, driven partly partly by money. <laughs> that, that'd be nice. Get, get, get a gig with Tanya Ox to be coaching at Chelsea. That, that, that'd be a nice... <laughs> well, that actually <laughs> be nice to be, be paid I as a... I sent her a message to congratulate her because we, we played together for a season um, uh, in the National League. She came over to, to Newcastle and played for Northern New South Wales Pride. And, um, yeah, no, proud of her. Like, she's she's uh, doing fantastic things, such a great opportunity. So, yeah, she's, <laughs> she said, oh, if you ever need to reach out. So, Tanya, if you're listening, <laughs> I probably of will. Of course <laughs> she is. Why wouldn't she? <laughs> Ash, changing track a little bit, we mentioned the the, the life of um, female coaches and female players and trying to, to juggle all of that. Uh, along with that comes injury and disappointment. How important is it for resilience for coaches and footballers, I guess, in general? We know that, but for, but for coaches? Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a big believer in in the importance of resilience uh you know even in general life you know I, I teach it as a within my I guess my faculty at school but in all facets of life you, you do have to have an element of resilience and I think you know as a coach particularly as a female coach you know the there's an understanding there that there are going to be setbacks and there are going to be disappointments and um there might be a lack of opportunity at time but if you if you give in if you if you accept when things are down or if you accept no at times for me things are like it's it's not yet like you you have to be able to do things or you have to be able to um i guess in 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 yourself know that you know you're you're good enough and continue to work and you know continue to challenge yourself and see that you know if you if you allow setbacks to to stop you from trying to achieve your your dreams and your goals and your aspirations and ultimately you're the one that misses out so mm. um you know, I've, I've, there are so many other female coaches that have gone for, before me that have just persevered and um you know i i mel um ray you know they've they've had jobs that pretty stable jobs like myself that they gave up to go and pursue to be a coach you know and yeah. and look and look at where they are now if they if they had if they just let that go and, and accepted defeat at times or accepted the challenges were too much, then they wouldn't get to where they are. And I've taken a long road to get where I am. Um, and, you know, at some point, you know, I might need to be a bit braver and 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 find an opportunity and, and let go of something to really pursue what I want. Um, but I definitely have made sure that as I've got to this point, that I've taken the opportunities that I've been given um, and that I've, you know, found a way to work around the challenges and not let them set me back. Yeah, thanks for that. Let, let, let's just keep going on that for a, a little minute. I've The more that I talk to coaches about this, the more I think about it, the more I reflect on me. I, I've come to the conclusion that I, I think we've got a resilience muscle and I think it can be developed and we can get, we can make it stronger. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on that, particularly as a teacher, because you, you, you mentioned that you teach it and, and that's not – you don't hear people talk about teaching resilience. It's sort of something people seem to do or don't yeah. do. So yeah. you got some thoughts around that? Oh, look, I, I agree. I think, it's, I think it's something that you can develop and it's about – 
it's about having strategies. It's about being um, being someone that's open to 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 get support and someone that's open to you know not not letting things get them down. And I think that um, when you start to learn that there are people that are around you, you know, when you start to learn that you've got support networks, when you um, when you realize that, or when you start to develop skills around communication. Um, and and being able to, to understand, I guess, certain triggers within yourself that maybe have an impact on your, um, I guess, your feelings, your well-being, and and the way you react to either conflict or setbacks. If you can identify those things, you can start to work out skills um, and strategies to be able to maybe combat those. So, it's it's an interesting concept. I, I definitely think that there's a way, or there are methods and strategies that people need to be able to develop to be able to you know build their resiliency skills um and the the concept i I like the concept of not yet um it's almost like this growth mindset versus a versus a fixed mindset so you know you having a growth mindset means that obviously even in setbacks or um, even if you achieve something well, you've got a, a growth mindset to want to be better and to want to keep pushing yourself and to understand that, um, you know, there, there's more that you can do or there's more growing that you can achieve and not letting setbacks hold you back. And some people have a fixed mindset, but it's about working with them to be able to develop that growth mindset. And I think that's similar in terms of resilience. Some people maybe don't have as much resilience, but there are definitely conversations um, and strategies that you can work with those individuals. And the biggest part is them recognising the kind of support structures around them um, to be able to help with that. Lots of athletes now that you look at the players and there's so much support for them to be Mm. able to help build their resilience. You know, the sports psych stuff was never really around when we were coming through, when I was coming through. Um, But that's, that's something that can help build players' resilience. It's giving them tools to be able to manage difficult situations or setbacks and it's you know it's just adding to that oh thanks I, I like that a lot um what have been some of your most enjoyable moments as a coach oh god well i guess uh, i my first win um <laughs> in 2019 in the w league against adelaide um that was that was pretty cool it was a it was a home game at the stadium and uh, actually one of our academy girls that that I'd coached uh, from Macquarie days um, he went through the Newcastle she she scored a goal that night so that was that was nice um, with Adamstown again it was probably like my first senior role you know um, winning a couple of um, minor premierships with the reserve grade and the first grade team for with a, with a club that's a really great community um, and then I I think it was 2018. We we took the um, we took the Jets to the national titles in the 14s and 15s, and we both won. I had the 15s team. Deansy had the 14s team, and we both we both won. And we won the we won the night the day before, so the second last day, we we couldn't be beaten. Um, and the 14s knew, and my my 15s team didn't know. I think they were waiting on a result the next day, and. I remember telling them at the hotel and, and we filmed it and it was, yeah, it was pretty, just their reactions was, was pretty special. So yeah, those, those are pretty, those are pretty memorable. Those three. Certainly are. 
So for a coach then, what does success look like? Look, I think there are there are many things that um, that I think um, in terms of success, there are many things. But for me, you know, I've, I'm thinking it's, it's about, you know, how have you, how have you got your players to perform? You know, are you getting your, the best out of your, out of your players? Are you, are you getting them to perform to their capacity week in, week out? Are they, are they enjoying their football? Are they wanting to play for you? Obviously you've got your, your performance goals um, and, and, you know, it, you know, everyone would. Everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to get into those finals. But you know, at, at times, that can't be your measure of success because it might not be might not be achievable. So there, are, I think, like that's a that's one layer, layer of success. And I think that there are other layers of success that come underneath that. So you know, people wanting to, people showing pride in the badge, people improving, people um, performing to their capacities week in and week out. Um, those things are little little wins, I think, when we when we talk about success. Um, but yeah, look, I think if you if you if you're always just measuring it by wins, it's a difficult one. But then at the same time, like I think even just reflecting on my coaching life, there's probably going to be a little bit more reflection around like wins and success at my level. So it's it's a it's a hard balance because I want. I want my girls to be successful and I want them to win. There are certain little things that they need to achieve success with to be able to, to get to that end goal. So it's, it's a tough question. It's a tough question. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's the way we like them on here. That's good. <laughs> so on your coaching journey, what have been some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned? Look, I think that your how you – manage players how you are as a person as a coach is a really important thing um you know because coaching is there's so what i've found is that coach there's so many different things that just go into coaching you know you're not you're not just rocking up um at a session you know putting out some cones and telling players what to do there's so many different elements to it you're you know you're there for them you know, if they need, they're like, they're sometimes you're a shoulder to cry on, right? Like um, sometimes you've got to show a little bit of tough love. You want them to be, everyone's different. It's like a school. Every, every athlete that you're, that you're working with has different attributes, have diff, has different ways they like to learn. Um, they have different things that motivate them. So you have to be someone that, um, that can understand that and that can bring it all together in a way where you're moving towards your team goal um, and you're, you're working towards it, you know, whether it's a, a playing style um, that, that you're setting for them that's going to suit your team. You, all that stuff is really important. Um, and that's, that's the, some of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that, you know, there's so much more to coaching than coaching. <laughs> and fair to say when you take on a head coaching role that you don't know what you don't know oh 100 100 it's it's so true you don't know what you don't know and then all of a sudden something happens you know like, okay well i know that now and i'll add that one to the yeah I'm, 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 even even reflecting on last year you know there, there are things that where we want to do 
differently this year in like you know in what what we're doing in the back room and what what, what we want to do on the pitch you know there's yeah. because you have to I think for me evaluation and that's probably that's probably one of the other big things I take away is that feedback and evaluation are critical you have mm-hmm. to constantly evaluate what you're doing and how you're doing it and if it's, is, it, is it getting the the results is it getting what you need um it's evaluation is such an important part of coaching um and feedback because it gives you feedback for yourself too getting feedback for yourself feedback for the players and and if everyone's if you're doing that if you're evaluating and you're taking on feedback then you know then you're in positions to keep improving what you're doing yeah no i like that a lot okay we're on the downhill run here um yeah. Okay. Actually, <laughs> if there was one piece of wisdom that you could offer to coaches, what would that be? I think, I mean, I've said it a couple of times. I, th- I think the, the biggest thing is if you want to be a coach, get involved. Find ways to, whether it's with your local club, um, whether it's with your association, find ways to get involved and, and make sure that you um, make sure that you connect with people that can help you grow. Um, you know, understand that there are going to be challenges. Understand that you don't know everything straight away and that there are so many things that you can go to expand your knowledge and you're, you're a lifelong learner as a coach and that's not something to fear. It's, it's actually something to embrace um, because you'll find that you, you, you'll be constantly changing what you think is is right, what you think is going to be effective. Um, and ultimately, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's about putting yourself in those positions where you can work towards your goals. What a great place to finish it. Lifelong learning. Love that, Ash Wilson. You're a, you're a star. So good luck for the for the new W League season. We uh, we look forward to to watching Newcastle Jets and um, and seeing some success. Thanks a lot, Ash. Thanks, Gary. You've been listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then go to footballcoaches.org.au, buy a membership, renew a membership. Hey, it's AGM time, but they'll be gone by the time you listen to this. You just have a great day in football. <laughs>